Full disclosure, this is my second attempt at recording the intro to this episode. And, you know, to be honest, recording the intro to these podcast episodes always pushes me right up against a creative block. It's almost always the hardest part of of creating a podcast for me. It's a cycle of record, delete, record again, delete again, and it's... can be really uncomfortable. I often meet my own inner critic in this space. Um, I hear the voice in my head asking me, why are you even doing this? It's it's really, really fascinating to do these intros. Um, And, you know, along those lines, this episode really fits. I sit down with Inger Brown and we have a conversation about creativity. and the difference between creativity and being artistic. And we talk about how creative blocks can often serve as a mirror for us to look inward. Like what is it that's being blocked? What kind of you know, internal energy is stuck? What kind of old wounds might be hindering our ability to just have some creative flow in the world? So I'm, I'm excited for this episode. This episode was actually another one that was recorded just prior to COVID-19. So if you detect any lightness in the air in the conversation, it's probably because there was no COVID in the air yet. Uh, but anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, I'll leave it there and we'll get into it. You're listening to Why in the World, a podcast fueled by curiosity featuring deep dive conversations, exploring meaning, purpose, and why we show up in the world the way we do. I'm your host, psychotherapist, Brian Nixon. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All the way from Virginia. All the way from Virginia, hmm. where it was 56 degrees when I left. Oh, yeah. It's about half of that here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it feels about the same. It does. It's balmy. <laughs> yeah, balmy. <laughs> yep. Well, sweltering 25 degrees out. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I find it refreshing. Yeah. yeah. I'm enjoying uh, getting to know Michigan a little bit better in the wintertime. Okay. It's got its charm. Mm-hmm. This has actually been a pretty mild winter so far. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's nice for us. Yeah. It's uh, also nice for road trips Yeah, to be able to get into Michigan without much difficulty. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> very true. Hmm. Well, I'm delighted to have you on. Um, I, just for people listening to know a little bit about how we met, um, we haven't known each other long. No. And this is like the second time we've been in the same room together. So. Yes. Um, but we met at um, a breathwork retreat um, several months ago. How long ago was that? It feels like last weekend, Brian. Yeah, it wasn't, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're Maybe right. Maybe two months? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and I remember just sort of a, almost an instantaneous draw to you, like, a, like oh, this is a kindred spirit in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something about your your presence, your kindness, your humor, um, 
and just a, a felt sense of a depth to you. Mm-hmm. And so I was really, really glad when you messaged me and said, I'm going to be in Michigan, and what if I'm on the podcast? Um, so here we are. Yeah, well, thank you um, for saying all of that. I feel very much the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely felt the kindred uh, connection at the Breathwork Retreat. And there aren't very many people I would message and say, hey, mm-hmm. you want to have this conversation on your podcast? <laughs> so, <laughs> What made you do it? <laughs> Um, well, I loved the first episode. I really enjoyed listening to that. And I, um, we had a very easy conversation at the breathwork retreat Mm -hmm. and I thought that we would have a good conversation today. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you're, you're the first person I've interviewed, um, about, I think five people so far now, Mm -hmm. um, but you're the first one who said, I have a prompt I want to start with. <laughs> and so let's do it. I do. I'm so glad you're game. Um, and uh, for those listening, um, Brian doesn't know what the prompt is. This so, is true. So we'll, we can all play along. The prompt is, you are creative. And I wonder how, how that feels when you hear me say those words. Hmm. What do I feel when you say those words? There's a part of me that feels like that's true. Um, Another part that resists that to some extent. Um, I think doing the podcast feels like an act of creativity to me. but what's the resistance? I think the resistance has something to do with the vulnerability that comes with creativity. It's one thing to um, sort of be creative in private or to have creative thoughts that nobody sees, but it's another thing, I think, when it gets named and there are other people observing it, So the idea of, yeah, the vulnerability of that, of being seen or being known or even having something about myself seen that I didn't see Mm -hmm. through my creativity Um, and that there could be something that catches me off guard in that way or something along those lines. Wow. Yes, to all of that. (laughs) Mm. I can relate to all of that. Thank you for... um, Thank you for being willing to answer that question yeah. um, after that prompt and to um, answer so fully and uh, in depth. Uh, I'm finding myself wanting to pose the same prompt back to you. <laughs> I knew you would. Well, I would... I would um, ask you to say the words, and I'll let you know how they land in me. Absolutely. Inger, you are creative. My internal response is to, it's a a body sensation, and um, it's a quivering 
there is a feeling of excitement and of some ingrained resistance, hmm. uh, some, uh, and on the other side of the resistance is a, um, uh, very similar to what you said, some fear um, around how, how creativity might move through me, how it might um, ultimately show up if it shows up in the world, and how it might be met um, or received. Um, and by whom? And by whom, yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, some of that, some of the uh, quiver is what might it require of me? Hmm. Also. Yeah. <laughs> Quiver is a good word. I think I felt that as well, kind of like right in my stomach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if you can hear it. I can feel it in my voice hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. as I answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as I've gotten to know you a little bit and like we follow each other on Facebook, you've been posting some of your poetry, which is a very public expression of your creativity. And so I'm curious, like what has, has that felt like to put your creativity out in such a public way? Oh, <clears throat> it has, it depends on the day. It sometimes feels bold and empowering and sometimes feels overwhelming. Um, and uh, can feel very challenging because I don't, I don't pick and choose the content. I, um, I by and large post what comes through. So there are days I don't want to post the thing that came through. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I have to kind of feel into the resistance and um, check in to see if it's a, if it's a legitimate concern for um, exposure or safety or, you know, very real concerns or if it's um, simply that I, I just don't want to <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to uh, feel into that resistance mm. um, or push an edge that would be a useful edge to push. Yeah. So. Hmm. That resistance is very, very telling, in some ways. Like it's. It feels like resistance is often sort of a, a cue to check in. Mm. When I'm aware of the resistance. Correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good I'm not point. always aware. Good point. I feel like I would love to know when you first encountered your creativity. What's your first creative memory? That's a, that's a good question, and it's complicated. I think because I knew I was artistic before 
I knew I was creative. How would you parse those two things apart? Well, being artistic has, in my mind, a little bit more to do with a skill set. And creativity has to do with what animates that skill set. Hmm. Well said. Hmm? That's very well said. I don't know that I've like thought about that or, you know, I hadn't even considered the difference between the two because I'm not all that artistic. Mm-hmm. And so I think I would have maybe lumped the two together. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, what has allowed me to, to make that distinction is having a lot of conversations with people over the years who insist that they're not creative because they're not artistic. Mm-hmm. And I, um, that uh, I feel that, um, I feel a sadness around that mm-hmm. because uh, I, artistic skill might not be accessible to everybody, but why shouldn't creativity mm-hmm. be available to everybody? So I think I knew I think I've I think I've had glimmers along the way. I've used my um, artistic skill set um, in in a particular way um, that didn't necessarily always tap creativity. Um, and so I've had glimmers of it along the way, and then. I want to say in the last 10 or so years, it has started to make itself more known. And then in the last two years, it's, it has um, become that thing that has required something of me hmm. um, more than just being something I tapped into. Can you say more about <laughs> what that's looked like? In the last two years? Yeah, like the, like something being tapped into versus something you're doing. Or is that, is that the right question? I don't, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I'll just leave it there and see, see where that goes. Hmm. I like your question, is that the right question? I think we might dig around for uh, we might dig around for another question. Yeah, that's fair. I think I want to backtrack a little bit to um, what I was saying about um, having conversations with folks who are adamant that they're not creative creative because they aren't artistic. The the thought that my mind went to for me was probably like. Um, I don't know, maybe like 13 or 14 years ago, uh, I was getting ready to go to grad school and was going to move from Michigan to Seattle and felt creative in that time in my life. And the channel that the creativity was coming through was photography. Mm. And so 
like I got a, a decent camera at the time and I loved just going for walks in ordinary places and capturing ordinary moments from you know maybe a different angle or different lighting or something like that where ordinary things that would normally be overlooked look different and kind of capture your imagination in some way or you freeze this moment in time that would have otherwise just passed Mm -hmm. Um, and so photography kind of became my creative outlet all through grad school and then there came a point towards the end of grad school I think a friend asked me to photograph her wedding Hmm. Um, and that was and so it felt like a profound honor to be invited to do that I hadn't ever done that before so there was like fear and like what if I mess it up and like this is their big day and what if I don't get the shot they want all of that and so there was a little I mean there was implicit pressure Mm -hmm. in there and so I remembered or I remember asking them for a list of like what shots do you absolutely want to make sure you have Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise I'm just going to kind of be here and capture what I see and um, it went well like the photography for the wedding turned out well uh, at least I think so and that's what they told me Mm -hmm. and then so then I had this thought of like maybe I could do this like as a job or as a way to make money um, earn a little bit of extra money as a grad student and so I I started looking for more opportunities to use photography that way Mm -hmm. and the more I found the less I enjoyed photography Mm -hmm. and it felt less creative and more kind of burdensome Mm -hmm. and so I don't know if if that's what you're talking about but that's kind of where my mind went when you were talking a minute ago of like the difference between you know sort of finding the creativity within you versus the art Right. So maybe I, I think a way I might say that is um, uh, there's the creative flow and, and then there's, there's the process and then there's the product. Mm-hmm. And does that... S- yeah, I think that, that's perfect because I think photography was the process that the creative flow was able to go through for a while. Yeah. And then when it became about the product... Mm-hmm. Like, it lost something for me. Yeah. 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 And to be honest with you, I don't remember what your original question was, but that's a great, um, that's a, a great uh, way to kind of herd the conversation, herd the cats of this conversation <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I, um, I like, I think about process and product a lot. So I think it comes up in a lot of different um Circles, but I first heard that those two words um, used this way in knitting circles, and there are process knitters and product knitters. Oh, interesting. So those people who just love the process, and they might be willing to wear a garment that, you know, might be slightly ill-fitting, um, or might have a an error or two in the in the pattern. Um, because they loved the process so much, and so they're wearing the process. And then there are other knitters who are more um, engaged with and interested in the finished product. And so they'll alter their process to meet the demands 
um, what they want to see in the finished product. And um, I think one of the things I like about the creative process is that it's different for everybody. And um, even to that end, whether they're attached to the process or the product. Um, and I, I think if we, earlier you, I heard you say the word pressure, and I feel like there's a lot of pressure when it comes to creativity um, and how we, uh, whether we engage in creative pursuits, how we engage in them, um, whether or not we have something to show for our time and our efforts. Um, there, there's just a lot of pressure around it in our culture. Especially when it's linked to a product. Especially when it's linked to a product or an, an income. Um, it can, that can complicate things a little bit um, for some of us. I think it's different, again, for everybody. But when they're, but if, if we can find a way to engage with the process and have that pressure lifted a little bit, then I feel like that's, that's when the creative process really blossoms and uh, we, we can see it, uh, sort of use it as a, use it as a mirror, use it as a pathway in, um, use it to uh, facilitate the exploration and find out more about what drives us and um, what holds meaning for us and, uh, and things that we may, questions we may not even know to ask. Hmm. Yeah. So going back to my question about like your first <laughs> memory of being creative. Oh, that was the question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what you were, what you were just saying kind of took me back to that question because like a follow-up question to that, which I'd love for you to answer the first question too, if you feel comfortable. Um, but the follow-up question was, like, how do you, as a creative person, stay connected to that sort of inner thing? Mm. So the, the first question was my first awareness of being creative. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I think I, I lost the question because, honestly, I can't remember. And I, there's, there's a part so, – so here's, like, just a perfect example of that pressure on display <laughs> – I feel like I should have a memory of being creative when I was younger or um, but honestly I I just didn't I didn't know I had any any artistic inclination until I was 18 um, and even after that I I'm not sure I would have called what I was doing creative because I was, um, I was trained to do what I was doing on the job, and I was, it was, it was my job, and it wasn't the outgrowth of a creative process that I was aware of. Mm -hmm. um, now, in retrospect, you know, there's the all roads, um, all roads. <laughs> lead to Oz. So in retrospect, I can certainly see, um, I can certainly see the pathway in a different light. Um, 
And then what was your what was your follow up question? The follow up question was um, how do you stay creative, or how do, in your creativity how do you stay connected to that internal sort mm. of source of the creativity? I feel like that one's easier for me to answer because, in large part, I feel like that is the reason that I'm in touch with creativity in the first place. Um, is because I um, I started making room for that sort of exploration daily, um, and then the and and then I was more aware of the creative flow. Um, and I think what's ironic is that anybody who knows me would maybe furrow their brow a little bit hmm. if they heard me saying this because um, they have the experience of me as being creative. But I didn't have the experience of... Um, I didn't really have the full experience of my own creativity until I was engaging in inner work. Hmm. And then uh, then I was more aware of that relationship and, and what it took, um, and that I needed to carve out a little bit of time each day to just be empty and open hmm. um, to whatever arose. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to rephrase my first question. Okay. From what what was your first memory of being creative to when was the first time you identified as being creative? Well, <laughs> I feel like this is not the first time I'm going to say or have said it's complicated. Yeah. Um, I, I just keep going back to all of the sort of cultural pressures around creativity and what it means. I feel like there are, there are a lot of ways that culture defines creativity that makes it easier to digest, um, but that doesn't necessarily give permission to however the creative process might flow through a life. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm just so aware of that, um, that I, and, and through the lens of that question, I, I think that I would have said I was creative, but I really was thinking of it in s terms of somebody else's definition. As artistic. As, as artistic as, uh, well, I think that's, that's really just been my distinction that's come mm. over time. But I, so I might have told you when I was, 30 or 40 that I was creative because that that was a way that I could um, be understood about what I was doing but I don't know that I was really fully connected with uh, my own creative processes my own creative needs um, what it would require so I, I'm struggling a little bit to find a way to um, to say this uh, succinctly that um, that 
how I thought about creativity was so informed by um, how it's viewed by society. So maybe, you know, through hand-me-down ideas of creativity or prepackaged ideas of creativity um, that are, uh, again, easy to consume. And it wasn't until later that I could uh, be with creativity without that, um, without that baggage. <laughs> without that baggage, that's a great, that is a good word, without that baggage, but also without that sort of um, intercessor. So like I could relate to, to creativity on its own terms and on my own terms without um, needing uh, societal or familial, familial ideas of what creativity was about and what it should or shouldn't fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, it's kind of complicated. And, and you know, perhaps that's just the process of living. As, as we go along, we can deepen in whatever processes we're in and whatever our interests are. Mm -hmm. Earlier you made a comment about like your own inner work being important in your discovery of this for yourself and mm -hmm. and so I, do you feel comfortable talking a little bit about that like what what has that inner work been like what have you discovered? Sure. Um, well <clears throat> I Boy, it's it's. How do I condense that down into mm. <laughs> into? It's um, a big question. It, it's a big question, and that's that's good. Um, big questions are good. I, I think I'll start just by saying that um, I I was really stuck, and um, in a place in my life, I I got stuck in work. Um, what kind of work were you doing? In this case, I was um, seeing clients as an herbalist. Okay. And uh, I, I was in a consult with a client and got stuck. And I, I just didn't know um, where to go, uh, what to do or say. Um, and um, so I stopped. Everything except for... Um, work that I was doing to pay the bills. But I, I stopped seeing clients as an herbalist. I stopped practicing herbalism. I wasn't engaging in any creative pursuits outside of um, what I have done for a living um, that's artistic and that's graphic design. So I, and I couldn't stay there forever. I couldn't I knew I was stuck. I couldn't not address it at some point. Um, I didn't want to be stuck. And I, that was the beginning of um, really being willing to go deep. And, you know, I've, I've meditated. I've had personal practices. I've done um, what I would call inner work throughout my life. Um, and... In retrospect, I think that 
there were just places I wasn't willing to go in the past that now I was. The, the suffering was great enough that I was willing. Yeah. And in that willingness, I, um, I addressed and said some things that I hadn't been willing to say and address. And then the floodgates opened. Hmm. Yeah. So wow. the, yeah. And the, so so interesting how often like depth oriented inner work is almost always precipitated by what you said. Like the suffering has to get to a point where there's no other option than to take a deep inward look and start to find and identify those parts of us or patterns or you know just embedded wounds or embedded survival strategies all of that sort of stuff yeah um, and those things are hard to let go of because to some extent they work right, right. <laughs> or they have mm-hmm. <laughs> at least yeah um yeah they they did work uh, they worked a treat and then i um, started branching out, and I was, um, I, so a lot of my work over the years has been solitary as a freelance graphic designer. And then with my interest in herbalism, um, and having had uh, really um, powerful experiences with plant medicine, uh, and I, I guess I should make the distinction here, um, uh, you know, herbalism as in, I'm just very aware that plant medicine can mean one thing to me and something entirely sure. different to other people. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to articulate that distinction, but um, using using plants and, um, you know, tinctures and, and um, infusions uh, was really useful for me. Um, in some um, profound uh, ways. Uh, they, it made a difference in my life physically um, and emotionally and spiritually. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to do that work in the world mm-hmm. with people. Um, and that, a lot of my strategies that worked great mm-hmm. as a solitary freelance designer did not work um, in working with other people. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I had to, I guess I was forced into the corner. You know, how badly did I want to hang on to the things that, the strategies that worked? Mm-hmm. Um, or was I willing to give them up to, you know, do this other work that spoke to me. Yeah. How did you encounter herbalism? <laughs> I, oh goodness, I, um, that's a great question. I, when my mother passed away, I was 36, and I somehow, really don't even know how, came across um, the work of the Weston Price Foundation, um, which uh, um, focuses on nutrition and um, 
uh, whole foods, traditional, um, traditional preparation, and I'm not doing it justice. Uh, but that um, had me think a little bit differently about the way that I related to food mm-hmm. and the the food system in our country. And somehow very naturally that led to, I think growing some food very naturally led into becoming uh, more aware of other modalities or other um, natural health um, areas. And herbalism was one of them. And I love plants, Mm. so uh, it was just a natural sort of progression. Okay. Did you have like teachers or mentors that I did. I've had I've had so many <laughs> so many teachers and mentors um throughout all of the things that we're talking about. Um I did. So the the way I studied on my own for quite a while and then I was walking into our local grocery store and had never looked at the bulletin board before then. Hmm. Um and that day happened to catch out of the corner of my eye, a flyer for a workshop given by somebody locally, and they were featuring an herbalist named Matthew Wood, mm. Matthew Woods. Sorry about that. And um, so I went, and that was my first experience uh, in a workshop about herbalism with a teacher, and uh, that was the beginning of that that leg of my journey. Okay. Yeah. Like a synchronistic moment. It was a synchronistic moment. Hmm. Yeah. And that, that led to um, studying uh, with um, other, other teachers clinically and um, in schools. Um, uh, yeah. Hmm. And in herbal gatherings. So. Yeah. It seems like in our culture that's very disconnected from the earth in so many ways that there would be something of creativity that compels you to pay attention to what plants can do and what herbs can do and to be drawn in that way as well I'm wondering if it feels that way to you like that your creativity was coming out through your work with herbalism or that you tapped into something of that for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I think the thing that's present or or how it's present is that um and this is why I think that you are creative and I'm creative and every person I have ever met is creative. And basically why I would assert that everybody on the planet is creative um is because we live in a we live in a creative realm. Everything around us is creative, and even even destructive elements are part of a le- larger creative uh, story. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely feel that with the plants that that nature is creative and it sparks my creativity. And whether I found herbalism through a creative impulse or 
my creative impulse was uh, sparked by uh, the natural world. I, I kind of feel like that's a, a circular mm. thing. Um, question, but yeah, <laughs> that, I think so. that was the tangent it, <laughs> <laughs> the tangent it prompted. Like you encountered the creativity in nature and the creativity in nature encountered the creativity in you. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely one way to one way to look at it. Hmm. It's hard to parse. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's Well it sounds like what you're saying is creativity is in in is innate. It's, I believe it is. It's just in us. I believe it is. And I think we don't know it always because we have these preconceived notions about what it means to be creative or what it should look like or how it should show up or whether or not um, we should. It's just a lot of shoulds mm -hmm. and shouldn'ts and pressure and yeah. Um, and there is something really um, simple and freeing and um, pure about being in nature and it's it's hard to argue with <laughs> it's hard to argue with a patch of violets that comes up in the middle of the driveway or a dandelion that uh, you know grows between two cracks in the sidewalk um, and when it's hard to argue with that patch of violets it's harder to argue with you know, myself about whether or not I should post a stinking haiku hmm. on Facebook, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. yeah. I love that image of like your haiku on Facebook is almost like that dandelion popping up through the cracks. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and and not, n whether or not Facebook is the, the concrete sidewalk or my own resistance is the concrete sidewalk. Either way, the yeah. metaphor works. For sure. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. When you mentioned getting stuck with your client in herbalism, and it feels like we're talking to some extent about the stuckness we all feel around creativity as well. And so I'm curious about your thoughts about the relationship between creativity and stuckness or the how those two things dance <laughs> together right yeah so I really feel like creativity is so vulnerable um, for a lot of different reasons I mean it's it's can be vulnerable because you know we have fear about how it will be received and um, but I also I also think that um, Creativity can be vulnerable because it it can feel dangerous. Um, How so? Well, it might it might prompt us. It might take us in a direction that um, our friends and family aren't going in. It might. It might be what allows us to see that the systems around us aren't just. Mm -hmm. And 
might be what prompts us to speak out, and that can be dangerous. It's like a risk of losing some of your identity. Like if, if it's in your family and they're not on board or not supportive and you follow that, then you could be, you know, in, at risk of losing the connection you have there or right. anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. And, yeah, in all of those places. Mm-hmm. And it's only, it's only after having taken some very small risks in my own creative life that I can uh, really feel and say with certainty for myself that the alternative is to not be connected to myself. And so from this side of things, it's worth the risk. But from the other side of things, I'm not sure I would have said it was worth the risk Mm -hmm. to lose those connections um, or potentially lose those connections. Yeah. Like the the comfort of the familiar Mm -hmm. versus, you know, it feels like creativity as you're describing it, is a call to step into the abyss Mm. on some level, like into the unknown, into something that you can't predict the outcome of. Right, absolutely. I I don't know that the, I don't know that it's with the intention. I don't know if it's for the purpose of stepping into the abyss, Mm. but I think that's part of the process. Yeah. Is to be willing to um, be in the unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have this like image in my mind of right now. It's an image of you kind of standing with your back to everything you had known. Mm. You know, everything that worked to some extent that was your normal, and staring kind of into this dark space of of that unknown and having to choose like. Do I turn around and go back, or do I take the next step and Mm. see what happens? Yeah, that feels like a universal Mm. sort of storyline, doesn't it? Possibly. (laughs) It could very well just be a projection. (laughs) It very well could be. I, yeah, I I fortunately have not had to turn my back on um, everyone and everything I know. Um, So I'm really grateful for that. because I don't know that I personally had the fortitude um, at every step of the mm-hmm. way to have made that decision. Um, but there have definitely been um, beliefs about myself, beliefs about the world, um, and uh, some um, established ways of relating that mm-hmm. all had to change. and. Um, that weren't easy or pretty. Uh, And so in the moment, yeah, it felt like, Mm -hmm. it definitely felt um, like staring into the abyss. Mm -hmm. And then there have been other other times where it's been easier and it's been more like staring out over an open meadow Mm. and not quite so, uh, not quite so overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good distinction. (laughs) It just depends, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> I have, you know, in my mind, like this sense of not not turning your back on everything you've known to 
depart from it necessarily, but like if you take that next step into the unknown, you don't necessarily, well, that's, a, that's obnoxious. <laughs> you don't necessarily know when you turn back around who's still going to be there. Oh, that's a beautiful image. That's a, that's a beautiful image. And I, I think that we, I think that's what makes um, inner work or attending to creative fires or anything, you know, with depth and meaning so vulnerable is that we really don't know mm-hmm. when we turn back around who and what will still be there. Yeah, and I think for me that unknowing is is a bit of what I mean by the abyss. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not to say that the abyss is going to be this dark and scary place, but there's like this, almost like this threshold of the darkness that you have to kind of choose to step into before mm. you can see the meadow. Yeah, I think, I guess, and, and I, I love this because it, depicts how personal um, the, this process and creativity is mm-hmm. and can be and um, that we would want it to be um, because I don't, I, I feel that as an unknowing um, but don't necessarily see it as dark. Mm. Um, so I love that mm-hmm. the imagery can be a little bit of totally. different and that there's some play in that. Um, and I was, I was thinking on the way over here um, that in large part uh, the the unknowing like having a relationship with the unknowing is, is part of what creativity demands or my personal creative practice demands mm-hmm. um, and then flows from so in large part if I can create some space like that every day Mm -hmm. where I don't know and I'm just open but open in a vibrant way Mm -hmm. um, that's alive and receptive um, then that seems to be what allows the process to continue Mm -hmm. even when nothing's coming through Mm -hmm. (laughs) like being able to trust the process Mm -hmm. yeah Wow, and I think that some of that um, trust came from being able to trust uh, my own uh, process and my own ability to show up um, to look at some of the things I didn't want to look at but that kept me stuck Mm -hmm. um, and unable to move forward in that client consult, um, which is really just emblematic of other areas that I was also stuck. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like it just showed up in one place. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which might have been like you felt some of the bigness of it in that way. And maybe that's part of what forced you to back off a little bit or stop doing the herbalism for a bit until you got mm. to that point where. Because I think if it would have been just maybe one isolated event that you didn't feel a deep connection to, it might have been easier to just write it off and keep going. Oh, right. It wouldn't have even shown up on the radar. Right. Um, 
so it may have been that it there it may have been that the pattern uh, became too obvious hmm. um, that yeah that had me um, reach outside of myself for help and also that I just didn't have I had I don't know if if you've had if you have stark memories of these kinds of moments but I mean in the moment I just had nowhere to go hmm. I had no resource to call on I had nothing in my back pocket I had nothing up my sleeve I was completely clueless mm-hmm. about how to proceed absolutely <laughs> <laughs> It just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think especially in any sort of field where you're working directly with other humans, that, that kind of stuckness is unavoidable because we're, we're going to encounter ourself mm. as we encounter the other. Well, and, you know, I might have known that theoretically. Right. You but know it experientially. Work- <laughs> <laughs> right. Not experientially. And I was, I was, you know, I was sitting with a client as an herbalist, right? I was um, just did not expect that to come up. Mm-hmm. I did not expect to have to um, confront or to be confronted by myself in mm-hmm. that setting. So I, um, yeah, I kind of had to figure out what next. Yeah. What do you do then? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where do you go for help? Uh-huh. Hmm. Well, one theme that feels like it's been present through this whole conversation has been this idea of the innate creativity in each of us. And I hear some passion in you for like that message to get out into the world. And I'm curious what you would say to the person who's listening that's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm like the exception because I'm actually not creative. Oh, um, well, I think I might invite that person to simply ask how they're creative Hmm. and see if anything presents itself. Because I'm not attached to being right. I mean, I will assert that everybody on the planet is creative, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not attached to being right. And, um, but for the person who is, you know, no, I'm not creative, but feels um, any urge or any longing or any regret or any resistance, um, when they think about that, I might offer that, again, all of creation, I mean, we call it creation. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> <So> true. <laughs> we call it creation. All of creation is creative. And if, um, if we allow for the animist view that everything is imbued with soul and everything is creative then how would we be any different Hmm. why would we be separate from that 
or set apart from that. And so what might ease the journey a little bit is to maybe ask open-handed questions about what our individual creativity would ask or say without regard for what our communities or our families or our past would expect it to show up like um, mm. or manifest as or produce. Yeah. And so maybe that it would be the exact same way we started this conversation with that prompt mm. that you are creative and just listen to those words and see what comes up for you. Yeah, and follow it in. Yeah, and get help from a guide if you need it along the way. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Are you currently working with people as an herbalist or? I am. Okay. And so if, if people are listening and they're like, I want to I wanna work with Inger, uh -huh. how do they find you? Um, I can be found at apothecaryoftherose.com. Do you want to spell that? <laughs> <laughs> I can put a link to it, too. <laughs> well, um, let's see. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's a little long. AP. Oh, I'm going to have to write it while I spell it. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I, can, I can also just put it in the show notes. To the show notes. That okay. would be good. Yeah. yeah. Apothecary of the Rose. <laughs> Apothecaryoftherose.com. And uh, that's uh, where I write about uh, herbalism and uh, plants and um, some creative topics and whatever is moving through um, creatively that week uh, or day, um, as well as some experiences in inner work and how they all intertwine. Excellent. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Okay. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Brian, for having me. My pleasure. Alrighty. Hello, hello. Oh, I see them now. They're still kind of low, though, aren't they? Oh, that's so interesting. Hey. hey. <laughs> oh, the laughter will do it. <laughs> that's what, you know what? I don't remember anything I said and really in the moment couldn't even remember your questions, but what I do remember is laughing. Uh -huh. Yeah.